Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. What I want to talk to you about tonight is something that was birthed uh, in my heart a couple of days ago, on Friday morning, actually. And the title of my message is called Tried, Tested, and Approved. Tried, Tested, and Approved. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background to what the Lord prompted me to share with you today. And I feel it's important uh, before we dive into the actual heart of the message. As is my custom every morning, I come to my office very early and I silently wait on the Lord. And it is a scriptural thing to do because the psalmist said, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. And then he goes on to repeat again the word wait. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So quietly, as I wait on the Lord, I endeavor to listen to his words even before I pray. I do that because we don't know what to pray for as we ought. And it's important that we receive guidance and direction even before we utter our prayers to the Lord or bring our petitions to him. Because Jesus said, when the spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth and he will assist you in what you should pray and how you should pray. So for me, the morning hours are the most enjoyable and fruitful times of my day. It's the time that I dedicate to the Lord in prayer and of course in fellowship with his word. It's what I call my fueling station. It's not a religious practice or a duty that I must attend to. It's never been that way but rather a joyful exercise that I love to come to. So this past Friday morning, as I waited on the Lord, in those moments of quietness, I had a vision. This was not an open vision in the natural. It was something that I saw in the spirit. I saw this beautiful plant of what looked like a protea. You know what a protea plant looks like, of course, that was blooming in a very dry and desert place. And this is this is the best way I feel that I can describe it to you, because most times it's very difficult to describe spiritual things with natural words. It was the most beautiful plant and it was arrayed in many colors, different colors, looking vibrant and healthy, that was planted in the most hostile 
and harsh climate. It stood radiant and full of life, and it was not affected at all by the harsh climate that was in. At that moment, the Spirit also reminded me of the word of the Lord in Isaiah chapter 58. Most of you are familiar with this chapter that says God speaks and gives a promise to his people. And he says, I will satisfy your soul in drought and I will strengthen your bones. And you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. The word speaks of a satisfied soul in times of drought and famine. It speaks of strength, even in harsh and challenging times. And when everything around us, I mean, the word is speaking uh, figuratively, figuratively, of course. When everything around us is dried up and withered away as a result of drought, the Lord promises that we, the believer, would stand out like a watered garden and springs of water that never ever run dry. In the vision, of course, I understood that God was communicating or showing me a picture of a believer who blossoms and prospers even in the most severe and challenging circumstances. I realized the Spirit of the Lord was communicating to me a message, and it was a message of hope. It was a message of encouragement to us as believers that no matter how difficult and challenging our circumstances might be, we can still blossom, we can still flourish and prosper in the harshest of circumstances. We can still shout the praises of our God because the roots of our faith are planted deep into God's faithfulness and are not dependent on our external circumstances. Why do I say that? Because we receive our strength, our joy, our sustenance from another realm. That is the realm of God's kingdom in which there is no drought or famine. There has never been drought, famine, or recession in the kingdom of God. And our root system is planted in that realm, the realm of God's kingdom. We live from another realm, not from this physical, natural realm. It's important that we understand that and we cooperate with the Spirit of God, even in the most severe challenges of life. Habakkuk gives us a clear picture of what I am uh, sharing with you today. In his prayer, Habakkuk declares and prays to God and he says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet 
I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. What a testimony that in the midst of total disaster, he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation because the sovereign Lord is my strength. God calls this person who is able to do this blessed and prosperous. You see, most times our definition of blessing, which is a worldly definition, and prosperity is wrong. According to the scriptures, the blessed and prosperous person is the one who endures in time of trial and testing. That's what the Bible calls a prosperous person. The blessed person is one who remains strong and steadfast in his faith, even when he is surrounded by life's difficulties. Well, James puts it this way. He says, true happiness or comes as you pass the test with faith and receive the victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God. He also says, if your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience the untold blessings of God. That's a prosperous person. That our faith remains strong, our resolve, our perseverance, our endurance, while we are surrounded by life's difficulties. I was so blessed and overjoyed last Sunday at our Thanksgiving service, listening to all of your testimonies of thanksgiving towards God, towards the goodness and the faithfulness of God, as well as to the generosity and kindness of those whom God anointed to be a special blessing to you and to our spiritual family. And even though some of you have gone through some tough and difficult times, during the year, your heart remained tender towards God, free from offense, free from bitterness. And for this, I really want to give thanks to God because of your heart that remains tender towards God, even though in the most challenging times. There is always, of course, the temptation to grow cold and bitter towards life, towards people, and towards God. When things go wrong, when they don't go the way we want them to go, when unexpected, trials and challenges come upon us and we find ourselves so often disillusioned by the painful and challenging circumstances we may find ourselves in. In my teaching today, 
I want to draw out some lessons from the life and the trials of Joseph in the Old Testament as the Spirit of the Lord pointed them out to me. Joseph's life, uh, uh, for me, Joseph next to the Lord Jesus is the most admired person in the whole Bible. Because his life and his testimony is a perfect picture of a rose blossoming in the most dry and harsh environments of the desert and dry places. Joseph prospered as a slave. That's what the Bible says. God was with him wherever Joseph landed. He prospered as a slave. He prospered as a prisoner. And he prospered as a prime minister. And I, I know this. If we cannot prosper in our prison, we will never prosper in our palace. In other words, if we cannot prosper in times of test and trial, we will not prosper in the place of comfort and ease. Just think for a moment of the life of Joseph. If you're a, a, a Bible scholar and you've read your Bible, you know what I'm talking about. In all of the afflictions and all of the trials Joseph suffered, he continued to trust the Lord and trust in the faithful keeping of his soul. He never lost sight of his dreams, and he never allowed his heart to grow bitter, resentful toward those who unjustly treated him and done him so much harm, even from his own brothers. He never allowed his heart to become resentful towards God for allowing him to go through so much pain and suffering. He remained true and faithful to the test. Because he trusted God in all of his suffering, the Lord was able to turn things around for him. And what was meant to hurt him? This is the revelation that God gave me. What was meant to hurt him made him even stronger and more mature in his character. When he revealed himself to his brothers in Egypt who sold him into slavery, they were stricken with fear, thinking now that Joseph is going to take vengeance on us. We've done him so much harm, and now he's in a position of authority. He will exact his vengeance. But listen to how Joseph responded to his brethren and to the fears. He said to them, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people's lives. What a response from a man who suffered so much at the hands of his own flesh and blood. Joseph's response and attitude towards tests and trials reveals that God can take anything and everything the devil throws at us in order to hurt us, in order to derail us from God's purpose and turn it into a great blessing for his kingdom. This is the reason 
that God said to us in Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Did you hear that believer? There is nothing, the enemy, that can throw against you that will prosper because God promised you that. No weapon formed against the believer shall prosper. And every tongue, he says, that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the promise that the Father has given us. This is our heritage because we are the Lord's people. We are the Lord's body. So no matter what the enemy tries, no matter what he is able to throw at us, none of those things will ever prosper or succeed. God will turn those things around if we continue to trust him and remain faithful to him and make it a great blessing, not just to us, but to the kingdom of God. So as long as we trust in the Lord and as long as we continue in his path, by not allowing our heart to grow cold and bitter towards God, toward others, he's able even to use the most severe trials for our benefit. In fact, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians, he said to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, that our afflictions, he says, are working for us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. The Passion Translation says it this way, we view our slight short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal weighty glory far beyond all comparison because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. So we see here that the wisdom of God says that even our afflictions and our difficulties and our challenges are the very substance that God uses in order to produce an eternal weight of glory. Isn't our God wonderful? He is magnificent. What a tremendous revelation we have here. When we view our tests and trials from an eternal perspective rather than a temporary one. Paul the Apostle said it this way, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and when I face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. Did you hear that? I am made stronger for my weaknesses becomes a portal to God's power. You see, Paul had a kingdom perspective when it came to all the trouble and all the suffering he went through. You see, Joseph was weak and he was powerless against his brothers who betrayed him and, 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 and delivered him into slavery. There was nothing he could do. They ganged up on him. 
and there was he was weak he was powerless against that but listen to this but he was strong in the lord by not letting the evil deeds get to him you see when i am weak then i am strong in the lord he was so strong in the lord and in the power of the lord's might that he did not let the evil deeds get to him so often we allow the evil deeds that are done to us to hurt us to grieve us to make us bitter to cause us to withdraw from people from relationships even from god himself why is that i believe it's because we're not yet mature and strong in the lord as the lord would have us joseph did not allow the evil deeds to get to him also joseph was weak and powerless against potiphar's wife who falsely accused him of rape she lied about it but he was strong in the lord by resisting her lustful advances towards him wow what a young man what what a testimony i mean he wasn't made of steel he was flesh and blood she made this lustful advances every single time he went into the house but he was so strong that he repelled them he overcame them he was also weak and he was powerless against potiphar's authority when he decided to throw him in jail by believing his wife. But Joseph was strong in the Lord by not forgetting his dreams. The dreams God gave him many years ago in his father's tent. He held on to his faith. He held on to his dreams. He held on to God's promises because he knew God to be faithful to his word. He knew that God somehow would perform and fulfill the promise he gave it, He gave to him many years when he was just a young boy. The knowledge of God this young man acquired sustained him in all of his suffering. There are times, as Jesus instructed us in Matthew's gospel, that we are not to resist an evil person, meaning we are not to repay an evil act with another evil act. But he says, whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, by turning the other cheek and submitting ourselves to God, by submitting to his word, we are giving God room to work on our behalf. God is able to move and work on our behalf when we stand back, when we don't take matters into our own hands. And that is exactly what Joseph continued to do. He didn't take matters into his own hands. He trusted in the Lord. He remained tender towards him. He was thankful, he was reliant on God's grace and his mercy to vindicate him. And what a vindication the Lord gave him. You know, as I pondered and meditated all Friday morning on this, on this character of Joseph, 
there are such valuable lessons we can learn from the life of Joseph. Lessons which can help us grow spiritually and help us to develop in Christ-like character. God's word sums up the life and the trials of Joseph in one powerful sentence. And it's recorded in Psalm 105 and verse 19. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The Passion Translation says it this way. God's promise to Joseph purged his character until it was time for his dreams to come true. What a beautiful way of putting it. When God gives you a promise, that promise will penal beat you until the time that the promise is meant to be fulfilled. And our Lord Jesus did exactly the same. In his hour of suffering and humiliation, he turned the other cheek. He submitted his soul unto God and gave him much room to work. The scripture says that when Jesus, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to God who judges righteously. You see, this is what I've learned. When we know the end of the trial from the beginning, all fear goes out of us. When God shows you the end of the trial from the beginning of the trial through his promise, you are not afraid any longer. We are no longer afraid, no longer resentful, no longer angry, because we know that the end result will be glorious. And concerning Jesus, the word says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You see, he looked beyond his suffering, beyond the crucifixion, and he saw the result of his suffering. He saw you and I. He endured all that suffering, all that humiliation, because he saw the end from the beginning. God's word provides us with such kind of knowledge so that we may know that all these things, according to Romans 8 and verse 26, 27, 28, that all these things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. So I want to encourage you today. Be encouraged, knowing that whatever you're going through right now is temporary, meaning that it's subject to change. God is faithful. That's what Corinthians tells us. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to endure. But he promises that he will also make a way of escape that at the right time, he will bring you out of it, just like he did for Joseph and for countless of other people through the years. The most important thing to remember is that you don't lose sight of your dream. Don't lose sight of God's promise to you and to your family. 
Don't let the devil rob you of your inheritance. Hold on to what the Lord has promised you. Learn to encourage yourself in the Lord as you meditate in his promises and remind yourself of what he said to you. What was Joseph's secret of strength and faithful endurance? I asked the Lord that, that question. I said, Lord, what was the secret of Joseph's strength, of his commitment, of his endurance to you? that in the midst of all that he suffered, he remained faithful. And remember this, Joseph had no Bible to read. Joseph had no church to go to. He stood alone. And on, on top of that, <laughs> he had brothers who hated his guts and despised him. Are you listening to me? As a young boy, he stood alone. No Bible, no church, no brothers and sisters to encourage him like we have today. But he had a bunch of brothers that hated him and despised him because of the favor that his, his father showed him. What made him endure so much hostility without ever giving up, without getting discouraged, or even complaining about his sufferings. We don't read anything about Joseph complaining to the Lord, being bitter, or any such thing. It's not recorded. And this is what the Spirit of the Lord revealed to me. This was the secret of his strength. It was the excellence of revelation knowledge he had in regard to who God is. He knew God so intimately. He knew him in all of his attributes, not just some of them. He had this excellent revelation of who his God was. And this intimate knowledge of God produced in him. Listen to this. This is what the Lord showed me. It produced in him a reverential fear that kept him loyal and faithful to his God. He had a clear understanding, not only of the goodness of God, but also of the severity of God. And the Bible says that we must consider not just the goodness of God, but also the severity of God. And most will consider the goodness and the love of God, but fail to consider his holiness, his righteousness, and his justice. I think we do harm to people when we only preach one side of the gospel or some of the attributes of God. We keep emphasizing the love of God and the goodness of God and the grace and the mercy. Yes, that's all true, but we also need to emphasize the fear of the Lord, that God is just, that God is holy, that God is righteous, that he will not tolerate our sinful lifestyles. And there will come a day, unless we repent and turn from it, there will be a judgment. He is also the God of judgment. And if you don't believe me, read Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul writes to them about 
the communion, how to receive communion, and so on and so forth. This excellent revelation in Joseph not only preserved him from all evil, but also enabled him to endure and to overcome everything that life threw at him. He was empowered to flee from all forms of idolatry. Remember, he lived in an idolatrous nation. They had God for every, every little thing they believed in. They had so many gods. And yet, this man was kept from idolatry. He was free from, from, uh, from, uh, from compromise. And it produced in him a healthy reverential fear of the Lord as a result of the revelation he had. I'm going to read two verses from the Bible, from the book of Proverbs, in regard to what the Bible says when it comes to the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, to turn one away from the snares of death. And Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 23 says, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. So in closing my message today, I want us to pray together and ask the Lord to grant us this excellent revelation of who our God is, to see him and to know him as he is, not as we imagine him to be, not as other people say he is, but as he truly is, that will produce in us this revelation that God will give us, will produce in us this healthy, clean, reverential fear of the Lord that will empower us to turn away from all manner of evil. And as Titus say, enable us to deny ungodliness, to deny worldly lusts, and to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present life. And that is what my heart desires, not just for me, but of all for all the members of my spiritual family. So can we together agree and ask the Lord to give us this revelation? So let's pray. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, and silently pray with me this prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the lessons that we have learned from the life, from the testimony of your servant Joseph, that despite all of the sufferings he went through, he remained loyal, he remained faithful, and when he was tested, he was approved by you, and he was promoted. And he was able to do that, Lord, not from his own strength, but because you gave him such a revelation of your glory, of your person, of your attributes, he knew you so intimately. And this intimate knowledge of who you really are produced in him this fear, this godly fear that preserved him 
that kept him, that enabled him to overcome. So in the name of the Lord Jesus, we humbly ask you, Father, today that you would grant us this revelation to each and every one of us. That as Paul says, that you would grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that we might know you as you really are, not as they portray him, others portray him, not as we imagine you to be, but as who you really are. In all of your glory, in all of your splendor, in all of your attributes, reveal yourself to us, we pray. Preserve us from the evil of this present age. Enable us to endure and to stand strong, even in times of trial and test and suffering, so that we may blossom in the desert, that we may blossom in harsh and severe circumstances, that the smile never leave our face, that the joy of the Lord would be radiant in our face and in our hearts as we face life's challenges. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for granting us this awesome revelation and this request. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.